This audio session is taken from the Shofar Bible School first year course. You can register for the full Bible School course by visiting our Shofar online store at www.shofaronlinestore.org. The topic for this session is, What is Discipleship? It is part of Module 10, Discipleship. Good day, my name is Ross. It's my privilege today to speak to you about our purpose, about discipleship. To locate this session, in our second section that we're busy with, we're talking about who we are to be, about us, our environment, me, about myself, humanity. We looked at how God created us as covenantal creatures, how sin marred our image after God created us to rule with Him and to represent Him, but our image was marred and therefore sin took on the whole nature and decay and corruption as our portion in this life, the law of entropy. And how God as our Savior was the next module, how He came to save us in His Son, Jesus Christ, who became man to redeem us from the curse of sin, to set us free eternally, to restore again in us. In the next section, we spoke about salvation and we spoke about salvation in terms of my identity, that God wants to redeem and restore my identity, my image, my self-image in Him. And he does that by placing us inside a family, his new family, his new creation, which is living out in this world as a witness of God's created order. Now, with that in mind, we're going to talk about purpose. What is my purpose? Every one of us are born with the innate sense, a desire to grow somewhere. We are drawn towards something. The Greek word there is the telos. We are, our heart's desire takes us in a direction. We want to move towards something. There is a something that we are drawn to. In our whole life, knowingly or unknowingly, we ordered to go in that direction. We want to steer everything towards that one thing that we feel we are called to be or to do. Now, with that in mind, I just want to say that, that for many of us, we miss the point that our purpose is both a being or a becoming someone and a doing or activities. Now, for many people, when you think about your purpose, it will be either ambition for your personal life. It will be you want a home, you want a wife, you want three kids or two and a half kids, or you don't want any kids at all. You want to uh, become uh, the best journalist ever vocationally or something like that. Um, or it will just be a career path. You want to become a doctor. You want to become the best doctor. Your ambition, your purpose in life is that. Now, the problem with that is many times that when we conflate purpose with achievement, with success, we think in our heads that, that my life is only meaningful, will only be meaningful once I have accomplished these things, once I have become the pinnacle of my desires once my, my goal is ready. So my life is successful if and only if I have achieved these things. When we conflate our purpose with achievement or success, what we eventually do is purpose becomes an activity. My, my life orientation, my life becomes only doing, not becoming. That is really, really dangerous, both for the one who achieves all his goals and think that his life is purposeful because he has become the most successful lawyer, doctor, painter, singer, or songwriter. But it becomes also bad, and that's why poverty is such a bad thing, because if my life orientation, if in my head, success 
and purpose is only reached when I achieve my goals, what happens is my life becomes meaningless until I achieve my goals. My life has no purpose because I have not accomplished something. When we conflate personal ambitions, dreams and desires with purpose, this is what always happens. That I am my achievements, my, my purpose in life is to be successful, to reach my ambitions or my dreams. We conflate desires with purpose. And when that happens, immediately, my identity is locked up in my success or my failure is locked up in my success. All of us have a desire to grow somewhere. We were born with this desire to become something, to, to be drawn to something. That is why when in, in the case like in poverty, in poverty in a purpose, poverty in capacity, is that I am locked in, or we use the word, in bondage to pursue my purpose. And that mars my identity for myself. I am worth nothing unless I achieve something. So the question what people ask today when they ask about purpose, the questions they ask will be typically, um, what should I become one day? What should my career be one day? How can I fill out my purpose in terms of how can I be successful in life? And we bring those ideas into the church and we bring those ideas into faith. The, the error is that when I believe that God is the one who will make me successful one day, immediately I, I make my faith in God, I make God my servant of my own ambitious. And that's why we want to talk about purpose in the context of discipleship, who I should become and what I should do with my life, who I should become and what I should do with my life. We in pop culture speak about calling in the same line that we do speak about purpose. Um, I am called to become this. I have a call or am summons from God to do this. The word calling in biblical grounding has its root in the fact that God the King calls me for His purpose, not for my purpose, but for His purpose. And just to, and we're going to do this intentionally, just to get an idea of how people in the Bible felt about their callings, it will be helpful for us to immediately divorce the idea of personal goals and ambition from calling, because we can see Exodus chapter 4. Moses, in the desert, at a burning bush, has an experience with God, has no desire to meet with God, ran away from everything that he knew into the desert to become a shepherd. And then he meets God, Yahweh, at the burning bush. And the Lord says to him, you must go to Pharaoh to confront him, to let my people go. He receives a call from God that is absolutely terrifying. And his response is immediately, no, God, no, I can't speak. No, God, I'm not good enough. No, God is terrified by the call. We can see the same in young Jeremiah. We know the text really well. See, I've called you by name, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 to 9. See, I've called you by name. You must go and preach before kings to root up, to pluck out. And he, and he gives his, his calling. So God says, I have called you for this. And young Jeremiah says, no, 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 God. This is a terrifying calling. I cannot do this. I'm but a youth. Send someone else. And we see the same, obviously, when the Lord calls Paul, who became Saul, Saul, who became Paul during his conversion in Acts chapter 9. Um, we see it based in the recording of how Ananias was sent to him. Also a terrifying calling, but it speaks on Paul's calling. 
the Lord saying to Ananias, see, I've called this man. He will speak before kings and governors. He will bear witness of me. And then he's, the, the terrifying words, he will suffer many things for my name's sake. It's the same with Amos, uh, the, the prophet who was sent to the northern tribes of Israel to speak before the king and before the governors and before the rich people. And in his response, you can see his calling was terrifying, disruptive for him as well, because he was happy to pursue his purpose as a shepherd and as a figamore tree um, farmer. And he said, I don't want to be here either. I've got something else to do. This is not a comfortable calling. His calling is not comfortable to him. Jeremiah at one point, I think Jeremiah chapter 19 or 20, he says the same thing. He says, I've got, these words are like fire in my bones. I don't want to be here, but it's like fire in my bones. Calling, a call to God's purpose, biblically speaking, is definitely not always a comfortable thing. And it has very little to do with personal ambition and goal. Now, personal ambitions and goals are not evil per se, but we shouldn't conflate my highest achievement with God's purpose. So how do we get to the heart of this matter? If we look in the Bible, and I've got my Bible open in Matthew chapter 16, and I'm going to read a few verses of Jesus. When we speak about purpose, I want us to locate it in discipleship as Jesus does here. Let me read verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross, let him follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what would it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he forfeits his own soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? It's a, it is a terrifying piece in itself. It is a warning of Jesus saying that, that do not set your life on personal ambitions and purpose for yourself, to gain for yourself. Because the Lord says, what happens? What, what tragedy is it if a man would go and reach all of his desires and fulfill all of his dreams and get everything that he desires, all the fame, all the pleasure, all the, the applause in this world, and he loses his own soul? And by invitation, Jesus says, the only way for you to gain your life is to pick up your cross. That means allow your ambitions to die as you pursue me, because in pursuit of me, you will truly find your life. There is life in the pursuit of Jesus. The following of Jesus is what we refer to as discipleship, a walking after the master, a pursuing the master, learning from the Lord. Another point in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus says, come and learn from me. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come and learn from me to walk lightly, says the Lord. So that's the invitation. Purpose is locked up in becoming a follower of Jesus, an imitator. We refer to it biblically as, in, in the Latin speech, as the imago Dei, to pursue the image of Jesus. When we say that purpose is becoming someone with the outflow of doing some things, the first one that we want to talk about is that the purpose, our purpose in life is to become like Jesus. Let's look at a, a text in Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to read for us Romans chapter 8, verse 26 to 29. I'm going to read from the ESV. It says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts 
knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because the Spirit intercedes for us according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, the Imago Dei, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He called, and those whom He called, He justified, and those whom He justified, He glorified. It's amazing to see in this text how God's work of salvation flows over into our work of, of, of discipleship. Take 10 minutes to reflect on and discuss this session's key Bible passage together with others in your class. If you are watching on your own, take a few minutes to reflect on the key Bible passage by yourself. It's amazing to see in this text how God's work of salvation flows over into our work of, of, of discipleship, into purpose, and, and how without effort it meshes God's work with our response. God's grace with our response and not just His work that He did on the cross beforehand, but also the work of the Spirit already now, that God is working in us so that we can be conformed to the image of His Son. The greatest goal, Paul writes here in the Bible, is for us to imitate Christ, to be conformed to His image. Our purpose in life is discipleship, the imitation of the person and the nature of Jesus Christ, to become Him. And when we think back on the modules that we already had, we said that man's original mandate, man's original purpose was to be created in the image of God for relationship with God to rule on God's behalf. Christ's work of restoration, Paul says here, is exactly that same thing. To restore the image of God in us, to become like His Son, Jesus who fully became man, to become like His Son in our heart and in our nature so that by, nat by nature we can effortlessly do the things that Christ would do himself. Being and doing always has this interchange. Who I become determines what I will do. My actions, my doing flows from my being and verse vice, again the same thing. My actions informs my identity and it shapes my identity. But we live from the inside out, from kingdom in being and doing. God wants us to become like his son, Jesus Christ. In the rest of this module, it's two sessions following, we will focus on the priority of discipleship, what is the most important thing when we speak about purpose, the urgency thereof, and then we will speak about our posture, our position, the, the aim, the, the nature that we, the role that we took, take on when we speak about discipleship. So to conclude our session, we looked at our orientation towards purpose, that we, we, we want something to grow to. By nature, we are created to, to, to want to grow, to want to develop, and any frustration of that feels like poverty or like bondage. But we created with that desire by God who wants, to, wants us to become like Him, to imitate Him. And through His Spirit and through the work of Christ, He graces us to become that type of person that naturally does the works of Jesus, to restore His image on earth, to be His image bearers. So we spoke about our purpose in terms of becoming the type of person that God wants us to become. In the next two sessions, we will look at purpose in terms of the priority or the urgency of imitating Christ, the, the, the most important thing. And we will listen to the words of Jesus with a sense of urgency that He calls people to follow Him, to become like Him. 
And in the last session, we'll look at the posture, the most important, the big scope of discipleship, of our purpose on earth, in terms of our posture of becoming servants of God in this world. We're going to close the session now, and I want to invite you into a little practice. I want to invite you into group activity, and I want you to take this home. I want you to think about your life and your orientation. I want you to, in a sense, take stock of where your life is going. I want you to think about the activities and the ambitions and, and, and to bluntly and honestly write those things down. If you don't want to share it with someone, then just write it down. What, are the, what, what is your happy place? When you think about your, your goal, your orientation, the, the biggest thing that you would like to be or become in this world, write those things down, those desires. The desires are not necessarily evil. They, they're many times just misplaced. But write down those desires and those ambitions of yours. And then I'd like you to take stock of your actions. How are you shaping? In which way does your activities and your life, or your life activities orientate you or shape you into that type of person? Because all your activities, they shape you. And I want you to call it a, a discipleship audit, just an honest view on yourself. And maybe with a friend or maybe with a mature pastor, just go through that list and say, Pastor, I'm looking at my life and I think my activities and my life orientation might be misaligned to Jesus' calling to discipleship, that I'm becoming someone who is not necessarily looking like Jesus, but I recognize the, the tugging of the Spirit, the intercession of the Spirit inside my heart to imitate Christ, to become someone who imitates God naturally. May the Lord bless you. See you next week. Take 15 minutes to reflect on and discuss the following points together with others in your class. If you are watching on your own, take a few minutes to reflect on the points by yourself. You can find the discussion points in your Bible School Handbook. Look out for the Living the Word sections in each session.